0: Be getting worse. What can we do? Let's talk about it with Charles Muskowitz on Steve Brown, etc. He's, he's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought
1: friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc.
0: We are so glad you're here. One of the most valuable and important and holy gifts that you can give to anybody is your time. And I recognize that you're busy, you have important things to do, and you have placed us on your list, or placed us on your list, and we appreciate that. In case you're wondering, I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy, our executive producer, Matthew Porter, is here. Matthew says every restaurant is an all-you-can-eat restaurant if you've got the money. That's right. <laughs> and our producer, Jinx, is in the little glass booth. Jinx is different, but he hopes one day to make enough money to be eccentric. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Cool. Eccentric. I, I don't think you have to wait, man. You pulled that off already. It. Yeah. <laughs> and our one-man IT department, John Myers, the magician, is in the tech bunker. John says the cause of most tech problems can be found between the keyboard and the chair. <laughs> uh, that principle comes because he's been observing me for years. And Dr. George Beenham is the president of Key Life. With tax season around the corner, George invites you to imagine how nice a contribution to Key Life (laughs) would look around this time next year. (laughs) Think about (laughs) it. It's not too late. And Kathy Wyatt is, of course, the soft, feminine side of the program. We would rise up and call her blessed, but frankly, we just sat down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good one, Matthew. Don't have to
0: reach for any baked goods. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest, uh, and I've been reading this book this morning, interesting stuff. Uh, Charles Moskowitz is uh, an author and host of the Charles Moskowitz Live on Rumble. He is a Talkers Magazine Top 100 radio host and was also honored at the National Right to Work Committee Communicator of the Year. His newest book, which I hold in my nicotine-stained fingers, is The Anti-Semitic Imagination, The Great Establishment Deception. Um, Charles, it's good to have you. I want you to know that this is one of my hot-button issues. The largest section in my large library is, believe it or not, on anti-Semitism. I traveled to Israel to do research on it and uh, never wrote the book. I was going to write a book on it. Somebody else wrote it, a friend of mine, and I was glad I didn't want this to be the focal point of everything that I did. But I I want you to know that this is a subject that intrigues me, and your take on it is different than anything else that I've read. Frankly, nobody understands anti-Semitism. There's a supernatural thing going on that um, that defies explanation, frankly. And it's been going on, I'd like to say that I got it, it came from Christians, but it was going on in Alexandria long before the birth of Christ. So it's not anything new, and uh, your take is different than anything that, and I hope that after this broadcast I'm going to understand this just a little bit better what? Um, tell me about the book. Why, why? What caused you to sit and write it? I take it you're Jewish, right? Indeed, yes. And you uh, experienced anti-Semitism. Did that to an extent. Yeah. Uh, well, what started? What? What got you off on this book?
2: Well, I mean, I'm fascinated by the events around my own people and the history of that. And um, yeah, I've, I think I've come up with some rather unconventional conclusions regarding the cause of anti-Semitism. I, mean, I view it in a way that, in a sense, analogous to the way Jesus himself was treated. Uh, Jesus stood for higher moral authority. He answered to God and not to the human society around him. And the Jewish people, putting aside our Foibles, and we're fallen people just like most people, mm. and some of us have fallen pretty far. Nevertheless, we stand for a certain higher moral standard. We're called upon to take on an extra layer of faith and observance and, and ritual in order to know God and in order to then witness to God in the world as a light unto the nations. And people resent that. You know, people don't like that for the same reason they resented Jesus in his own lifetime. Jesus also stood in front of Pilate, who asked him, who do you answer to? And Jesus said, I answer to a higher authority. I don't answer to the power of the state. It was within an hour of him saying that, that he was crucified. Mm. And I think that the Jewish people generally do not answer to the power of the earthly state. And I think that our, our Torah, which states this throughout, was also the inspiration for the founding fathers of the United States, who uh, codified that concept in the Declaration of Independence, that we are endowed by the creator, God, not by the state, with inalienable rights, that these are natural rights, and that we answer to God first. Uh, If the state respects our natural rights, then we respect those governments. If it does not respect those rights, then we stand up to that government. That's the American way. And that is the way that I think goes back to Sinai and goes back to the real, the beginning of time. Man is created in the image of God. We're not God. We're images of God or we're imperfect, but we strive to know God in our lifetime and set an example by how we live our life and how we witness to others. And I think that's the Jewish method. And it's also the source of anti-Semitism because people resent that because they when they when they think about that, they have to look within and they don't want to necessarily confront their own sin and their own foibles. So it's a projection out. The guy down the street is responsible for, for my faults and my foibles. And that this tendency to focus on the Jew as a source of problems, which is in a certain way natural, because we all have an imagination about the guy down the street having something more than us. It's It's the old uh, vice, you know, the seven deadly sins. I mean, it's envy, it's greed. That can be weaponized by governments in order to distract attention from their own agendas, their own malfeasance. It's the Jews' fault that this is happening. It's the Jews' fault that the economy is bad, that we're going to war, that we have suffering. Blame the Jews. And it gets to a, a point of extremism and even absurdity, particularly in the Arab world, quite honestly, when you have a situation like, for example, several years ago, there were there were sharks off the coast of Tunisia biting people, and they blamed Israel for this. <laughs> and an Israeli humorist wrote, uh, created a cartoon where he showed sharks wearing yarmulkes. But that's, that's how this uh-huh. can become almost personal, <laughs> that somehow we're going to project all of our problems, including personal problems, to the Jew. The Jew is to blame. And if we get rid of the Jew, then we'll have no more problems in the world.
0: You know, it is, um, this discussion is a really important one, uh, all over the world. Um, a lot of, uh, establishment figures are standing against Israel for defending herself, uh, about Gaza. And I, And I'm astounded. Uh, First, I'm pleased that a lot of Americans have recognized uh, the danger of that sort of thing and have stood up. Even people I politically disagree with have stood strong on this particular issue. I think of people like Fetterman and so many others that have stood, and I'm pleased with that. But at the same time, the darkness... The evil, uh, the uh, blame the Jews for everything from the river to the sea is scary. And especially when you see it at our finest and uh, best academic institutions. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is important that we discuss. And this is an important book that you've written about this particular subject. Uh, Have you been amazed at what's happened over the last six months?
2: Well, I'm not surprised that the uh, international left has basically thrown in with uh, Hamas and with the radical element of the Islamic world, which is a radicalized version of Islam. It's not, I don't think, conventional Islam. I think they always were part of that, and it's come out in the open since Hamas, of course invaded israel and slaughtered over a thousand israelis um now it's pretty much out in the open and i think they fear and hate israel for two reasons they find common cause the first is because israel is generally a more capitalist society it's a freer society where individuals can create things and 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 and, uh profit and, and and invent and and essentially have a certain degree of control over their own lives Hey, hold your, wait, wait, wait,
0: hold your second reason. We'll make that a teaser (laughs) uh, for the upcoming uh, segment. The book is The Anti-Semitic Imagination, The Great Establishment Deception. And uh, it'll make you think, make you wonder, make you ask questions. We're looking for answers. Don't go away.
1: Thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, chances are your friends and family would too, right? So help us spread the word by sharing a link, clicking subscribe on YouTube, and if you think about it, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform: iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere. Hey, is there one called Podblaster? I mean, it feels like there should be, right? But like, no e in blaster. Just blaster. Blaster. That's how the colons do it.
0: Hi, this is Steve Brown, and in case you didn't know, one of the main reasons Key Life exists is to remind believers that God isn't mad at his children. Why am I telling you this? Because our weekly email, Key Life Connection, takes the best of the videos, articles, and puts them right in your inbox. We'd love for you to try it. It's free. Go to keylife.org slash subscribe. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We're talking to author and talk radio host Charles Moskowitz. Uh, Charles' newest book is called The Anti-Semitic Imagination, The Great Establishment Deception. For much of my life, I had a dance band when I was in high school, and the man that managed the band was Jewish. And so we ended up... uh, playing a number of Jewish events and dances and stuff. And when I heard anti-Semitic jokes being told, I never understood. I didn't know where, so early on when I was young, I had questions about where in the world that was coming from. And we see that on steroids today at universities and a lot of places. And Charles, before the break, you had said there are two reasons that it is so rampant right now and you gave one of them would you review that one and tell us the second reason
2: thank you steve uh the um i'm addressing the issue of how it is that the the left both in the united states and internationally and i say the far left because i wouldn't put everyone in the same basket why they have made alliance with hamas after this terrorist attack on Israel. They have always been anti Israel for two reasons. The first being that Israel is a freer society, it's more capitalist, which threatens their Marxist worldview. Uh, You have individuals striving, making, creating businesses, creating, inventing things. Israel is the startup nation. It it created a lot of the things that we're doing now on the internet. Uh, You've got innovative people there who are succeeding and who are unabashed about that. The second reason is because Israel is Jewish. Now, regardless of the level of faith and observance on the part of average Israelis, just by being in Israel, they are fulfilling a large segment of the Torah. Just by being there, they are fulfilling what God commanded the children of Israel to do, what he commanded Abraham to do. And he said, go up to the land that I will show you. What he commanded Moses and his general Joshua to do when Joshua crossed the Jordan and fought the Battle of Jericho, the idea was to take possession of this tiny little swath of land that exists between the Mediterranean and the Jordan River. Nothing more and nothing less in order to create a commonwealth that would fulfill an aspect of the Jewish mission, which is to know God, to be closer to God, and to thus be a light unto the nations. This has been misinterpreted by anti-Semites, of course, since the beginning of time, in that they insist that the Jews are involved in some kind of a conspiracy to rule the rest of the world, and that's a misinterpretation of the Torah, even on the part of some Jews, by the way, who are themselves very much on the far left and who are atheists, and that is that we are not commanded to rule over anybody. We are commanded to worship God. We are the only physical conquest that we are commanded to perform is that tiny land of Israel, nothing more. And in fact, the state of Israel today is exactly in the parameters that are commanded by God in the Torah. Now, an example of the anti-Semitic imagination that I talk about is this kind of perverse approach toward Israel by the Arab and Muslim establishment. In the beginning, when Israel was emerging as a sovereign state, and I show how Zionism is a movement that's existed in every century and in every generation, from the time of the destruction of the Second Temple right up till today. But by 1915, around World War One, Israel was emerging as a Jewish state, the Jewish state of Palestine, and that the Arab world was aligned with Israel. They were looking forward to Israel becoming a Jewish state. And I cite in my book a letter that was written by Faisal, King Faisal of Syria, who was seen as the head of the Arab world in his day. He claimed to be a direct descendant of, of Muhammad, the prophet, and who uh, signed an agreement with Chaim Weizmann, who was the head of the Zionist organization. That was part of the Paris Peace Conference that ended World War One. And in that agreement, he recognized Jewish Palestine as a Jewish state. This was in 1917. Good. And you. in the, the document, he says, "Israel, we recognize Israel as existing within modest and proper borders, a country that will respect the Arab minority, and a country that will respect Islamic holy sites. But we welcome Israel as a modern state. Now, the reason he did that, and his view was very popular at the time, was because they were hoping that the emerging Arab states, who were just becoming free after World War I and after having been controlled by Turkey for hundreds of years, that they also would emerge as independent, sovereign, prosperous states with modern technology, modern ideas of democracy, and that they thought they would work in partnership with a new Jewish sovereign state in order to achieve that. The idea was nationalism, and that's what Zionism was and still is. All of this was undermined by anti-Semitic movements headed up particularly by Hajimeen al-Husseini, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, who was one of the founders of the Muslim Brotherhood that was inspired by, eventual, by, first by the Nazis, and then afterwards by the communist Soviets. And the idea was to undermine the Arab people, undermine Arab nationalism, and create these puppet states for a world order. That is the remaining dynamic today. The Arab street needs to wake up and realize that they're being fed a bill of goods in terms of hating Israel as a way of distracting from their own countries and to basically emulate Israel by taking over their own countries and creating sovereign, modern, prosperous states where they can also control their own lives and their own destinies, just like the Jews do in Israel. That this is a natural alliance and that they both sides should be opposed to these internationalist oriented oligarchs who are trying to suppress freedom in their states, even in Israel and in the United States.
0: Oh, man, that's good. We're we're about running out of time on this segment. And Matthew, mm-hmm. you had a question. You might want to phrase it and then we'll get yeah. an answer on the other side of the
1: Yeah, normally when we we see the word imagination, that's good. Kids imagine stuff and, you know, but in in this context, and again, you can answer this on the other side of the break, uh, I think uh, I would love for you to clarify, are we talking about this kind of imagination used toward the end of persecuting Jews, really kind of a a paranoid fantasy that's being uh, cooked up And, and the people who are doing that? Do they really believe it or is it literally a, a tool towards, uh, you know, gaining dominance and, and, and tearing down Jewish people? So we'll answer that on that.
0: That'll be really interesting. And you, Excellent. And you, if historically, uh, the narrative that is given from the left is simply spurious. It's not true. Uh, but if you say a lie enough, you get so you believe it. And if you say it some more, you get other people to believe it. And pretty soon you have people looking at historical fallacy as if it is fact. Man, I tell you, it irritates me. I don't even understand it. The name of the book, The Anti-Semitic Imagination, The Great Establishment Deception. It's a book that will open your eyes to the truth. A narrative about a people that God chose that they would be a light to the nations.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much.
0: Hi, this is Steve Brown, and I'm excited to tell you about a new offer from Key Life called Living with Steve. Let me tell you the way it works. I travel with you wherever you go. If you need an entertaining conversation or even a sermon, there I am. That's the good news. The bad news is that it costs a million bucks. (laughs) But wait there's good news you can get everything i've just described with the key life app and for a limited time it's not a million dollars it's free try it now at keylife.org app Time to be with us, and as I always say and always mean, you have a seat at our table. You don't have a voice, but you've got a seat <laughs> at, our, at our table. We're hanging out with author and radio host Charles Moskowitz, and you can keep up with him at charlesmoskowitz.com. The Charles you can spell, unless you're an idiot, (laughs) but the Moskowitz you might have trouble. It's M-O-S-C-O-W-I-T-Z dot com. And on X, formerly Twitter, it's uh, Moskowitz10001. Does that number
2: mean anything? It's just the only one I could get. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, it's it. a, I think it's a zip code in Manhattan. Charles,
1: before the break, we were talking briefly uh, about the word imagination in the title of your book, The Anti-Semitic Imagination. Um, wh- what do you mean by that? Does that speak to this kind of paranoid delusion fantasy that these anti-Semitic people are 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 propagating and and, and passing along?
2: Well, well, I mean, I sort of I differentiate between what I would call normal anti-Semitism oh, okay. and the anti-Semitic imagination. Normal anti-Semitism is the kind of thing that we all to a certain degree have toward other people. Uh, it's not necessarily good, but it's a suspicion of people who are different from us. It's yeah. a suspicion of the other. And in the case of Jews, sometimes that it combines with a bit of envy in that we imagine that the Jew has more than we have, even though they probably don't, or they may, but we think that there's some kind of a reason. I mean, it bothers us because we we want it, you look at the guy down the street who has a bigger house than you have and a better car than you have. And it some there's a darker side of our nature that says, gee, I want that, or I don't it bothers me that he has it because it makes me look at myself. So that's like a normal anti-Semitism. It's just part of human nature where it becomes weaponized as an imagination is when you have governments you have institutions of influence who then harness that power to try to direct attention often away from what it is that they are doing you know you have groups in power that are manipulating the currency manipulating the economy pushing us into war doing social activities that are against human nature things that we don't understand that are it on us. And they often operate in various degrees of secrecy. And they will use the shiny object of the Jew to, draw, to essentially divert attention from their own agenda. And that, I would note, includes Jews who are involved in that same agenda, not as Jews per se, but they happen to be Jews, but they're very much guilty of this kind of Authoritarian agenda, which uh, by which they use anti-Semitism, and um, I, I equate it to, in general, these sort of strange things that we see happening in our society. We see, for example, when uh, when President Biden was installed, and I'll put it that way, there was all of a sudden they're opening the border to unlimited immigration. Why? What is that? Why is this benefiting anyone? We don't understand it, but yet it's going on. Suddenly we see a poll that says that up to 30% of young people consider themselves to be non-binary. What does that mean? Who ever heard of this? I had never heard of this five years ago. It's like, what? So we, we, we try to explain these strange developments in our society with some simple answer. It must be the Jews. When in fact there is a problem, there is an agenda going on. It is secretive and that we need to focus on the actual agenda itself and the actual people involved in it in order to understand it and confront it and identify it, rather than be distracted by these sort of prejudices that are exploited and that are weaponized.
0: You, um, one of the interesting things, and it may be a tidal wave change, is that many of of, um, Jewish people who have been on the left have had a rude awakening with what's Mm -hmm. happened over the last three months. And I hope that's going to be permanent. I hope it's going to enable them to see that they've been playing footsie with the wrong people.
2: I totally agree. I mean, there was definitely an awakening within the Jewish community, particularly the American community. And I think it's gonna result in a pretty uh, shockingly large percentage of Jews voting for President Trump this November. It's going to create a sea change that's going to affect generations. In a sense, we are getting back to the basic covenant of our people, both based upon uh, belief in a a God and belief in basic issues of self-interest how to preserve your own life first, and then you can help your community, and other factors. I think that Americans are shocked by how President Biden is tilting toward Hamas, in that he's demanding that Israel stop the war and essentially let Hamas get away with their crime and not finish their mission of taking Hamas out of power. Israel can't tolerate having an organization running a group right on their border like that that continues to fire missiles and and, and, uh, terror tunnels and and gas balloons burning their fields. And and then now with the hang gliders coming in and raping women and just murdering people once only, Israel can't be expected to tolerate that. They need to finish the job that they started. And the fact that Biden is pushing them to stop this war and to, to leave Hamas in place is something that is waking Jews up. It doesn't
0: make any sense. It's another one of these sort of weird agendas. I agree. Ditto. (laughs) Guys,
2: (laughs) this is hard work.
0: We're going to take a nap and have some cookies, and then like Jesus, we're coming back.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, chances are your friends and family would too, right? So help us spread the word by sharing a link, clicking subscribe on YouTube, and if you think about it, drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere. Hey, is there one called Podblaster? I mean, it feels like there should be, right? But like, no e in Blaster. Just Blaster. Blaster. Anyhow, that's how the colons do it.
2: When Christ promised we could live life to the full, He didn't just mean eventually in heaven, because Jesus didn't come to save us from our humanity, but to restore it. Life with a capital L. Find it now on keylife.org slash store.
1: What if you could start your day by hanging out in God's Word and with some of the most significant theologians, authors, and pastors ever? That's the idea behind the one-year devotional, God With Us. Find it now on keylife.org slash store.
0: The book is The Anti-Semitic Imagination, The Great Establishment deception. The author is our guest, Charles Moskowitz. And uh, believe it or not, just as an aside, we are approaching 10,000 subscribers to our YouTube channel. Um, If you would go and subscribe and put us over the top, I have it on good, higher authority that you can have three free sins. <laughs> oh, they won't last long with most <laughs> no. of us. Uh Charles, you you go through uh in in sort of fleshing out the concept of anti-Semitic imagination, you go through a number of historical situations, historical examples and so forth and uh we were talking off the air about um you were expressing how important that is to for people to understand some of those talk about you know one or two of those that really seem important for people to know
2: well i mean i would note that the war against the jews i would argue is a war against god it's a war against the united states it's a war against christendom it's even a war against islam actually because it's an attempt to suppress the individual under god who answers to god it's an attempt by the earthly powers to create a world order run by imperfect men who claim to be enlightened it's the ancient conspiracy and i use that word very specifically by cliques of men to control the world physically and that's something that of course runs against the entire narrative of the torah it's completely consonant with idol worship. And it's something that is everything that Jews stands against, at least in terms of our religion and our faith, putting aside individual Jews who are not, um, you know, are not in sync with that. Now I mentioned that I think it's important for all people, Christian, Jew, everyone, to understand the Nazi Holocaust. And the reason it's important is because that is an example of a international-oriented establishment, specifically Nazi Germany, but also the rest of the world by proxy, deciding that they wanted to target one group of people for persecution and ultimately annihilation, and that was the Jews of Europe. The United States and the Western democracies are complicit in the Holocaust in that they held the Ivian Conference in 1938 which was supposed to address the problem of Jews trying to get out of Nazi Germany. And they decided to do, not only to do nothing, but to slam the door on the Jews and leave them in Europe, where Jewish men, women, and children would be hunted down very systematically by the Nazis and their proxy allies, and shot, carted off to concentration camps, ultimately to be killed. Not at all, they weren't all killed, but It was a complete targeting of this particular population that had run afoul of the establishment, and that the rest of the world was complicit in that they could have accepted Jewish refugees who were very skilled people, often, who were not asking for handouts. These are well-educated families, people who would have contributed enormously to countries in Latin America, for example, or Canada and other countries, and they just they, they conspired, I would argue, by working with the Nazis. The Nazis are solely responsible for it, but it was a kind of an international social experiment, if you will. And the reason it's important to understand this is because this same international establishment, the inheritors of that same group, could decide to target people today for whatever reason they want. I'll give a recent example the COVID-19 pandemic, in the aftermath, the government decided, and I want to be careful here because I know this is YouTube, you can't talk about this, to offer a certain medical remedy, shall we say, Thank you. and that people who didn't accept that medical remedy were demonized. They were, you know, we had people say they should be sent to concentration camps. I could mention names, but again, let's be careful here. Um, I only bring this up to note that you can have the same kind of demonization against a group of people who run afoul of the establishment today. Now, I'm not saying they would have been put in death camps, but you can realize that this can happen again to any group. It could happen to people who support Donald Trump. It could happen to any group that runs afoul of the international establishment. They could be likewise targeted, demonized, and removed from society. So It's important for that reason for us all to understand the Nazi Holocaust, not necessarily because it was the Jews who were targeted, but because any group who disagrees with this international elite can be targeted again. Mm -hmm.
1: Charles, I can't believe it, but we're actually coming up on only two minutes left. Wow, it's gone by so quickly. Um, I think it's safe to say and everybody agrees that that we're seeing this whole um, anti-semitic thing in this um, around the world and it's growing my, personally my biggest concern is what I see change wise within our own country here because you could always pretty much count on the u.s to be staunchly you know defensive of Israel and be in Israel's camp and, and I just I don't like what I'm seeing at all in our in our country but could you, Could you tell us from your perspective, where is it at this point in time, uh, the most dangerous, this growing anti-Semitic? Is there a particular area or is it just because it's growing across the board?
2: I actually am pretty positive and optimistic about that because I think that generally speaking, most Americans, uh, Jew and Gentile, Catholic and Protestant, liberal and conservative, black and white, Most Americans do support the state of Israel and its right to exist, and they always have. That's the only reason why President Harry Truman recognized Israel against the advice of the entire establishment of his day. The Council on Foreign Relations, Secretary of State Marshall, Secretary of Defense Forrestal, they all said don't recognize Israel in 1948. They don't have any money. They don't have any oil. They don't have any land. We're going to annoy the entire Arab world where we should be you know, focused. And, and it was a very geopolitical view. But Harry Truman went ahead anyway and recognized Israel. And I think the reason why the establishment continues to recognize Israel, because I think in their heart they despise Israel, is because the American people support Israel. And ultimately, they have to answer to the American people.
1: That's great.
0: Oh, no, Good, I. Ain't... I'm I'm glad to hear something a little bit positive yeah. because I'm a cynical old preacher and I don't <laughs> see much that's positive yeah. nowadays. But maybe you're right. This is a good this is we this is a good book. And this yeah. is an important book and it's titled The Anti-Semitic Imagination: The Great Establishment Deception. And you ought to get it. Uh, We obviously on a program like this uh, can only scratch the surface. It's been a good scratching of the surface, uh, but there's so much more and you ought to be aware of it. Charles, you're a good man. Thank you for taking your time to be with us. Hope we can do it again.
2: Thank you very much to all of you. It's been very interesting. I
0: really admire you guys, and it's a great show. Thank you. Thank you. He's got good taste, too. (laughs) Yes, that that is. Keen insight. Hey, guys, we're going to come back and tell you who we're going to do it unto next week, and you're going to be absolutely blown away. So don't go anywhere.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to Steve Brown, etc. And if you're enjoying the show, would you help us let others know about it? You can share a link, click subscribe on our YouTube channel, or drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks much. What if you could start your day by hanging out in God's Word and with some of the most significant theologians, authors, and pastors ever? That's the idea behind the one-year devotional, God With Us. Find it now on keylife.org. This is Pete Owinson, and if you're a guy, I want to show you how to recover and reclaim an intimate, growing relationship with your Heavenly Father. Check out, like father, like son, how knowing God as Father changes men. Available now at keylife.org slash store.
0: Believer, I want you to remember that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And you will run out of sin before God runs out of grace. Grace, the
2: real good news of the gospel. Find it now on keylife.org slash store.
0: us uh, In case you didn't know, Key Life has added a new podcast called Simply Sermons. Uh, you can find it on the Key Life app, uh, on your favorite podcast platform, or at keylife.org. Simply Sermons is the name of it. And
1: uh, whose sermons are those?
0: Well, I mostly I, this one haven't guy. Gone, I <laughs> I haven't listened. So I hope there's somebody besides me. (laughs) Mostly Joel Osteen, really. (laughs) There you go, yeah. Yeah, That was a great guest and a very thoughtful one. And it's something, when I said this is not new to me, I really meant that. Um, Early on when I was a young man, in, in fact, late teens, I had all kinds of questions because the guy who managed our band, as I mentioned, was Jewish, and so we played for a lot of Jew- we played for Jewish community centers. And when I had friends telling anti-Semitic jokes and making fun, I just didn't get it. I don't know where that came from, and I spent years trying to discern what it's all about. As I said, my library is replete with volumes and volumes on Israel. And in general, and on anti-Semitism in particular, and frankly, nobody understands it. And even Charles, as articulate as he was, um, gets some of the normal, understandable reasons for anti-Semitism. But listen to me, there's something more than that. And it's been true long before the birth of Christ. In fact, in Alexandria, before two, three hundred years before Jesus was born, anti-Semitism was ripe and angry and destructive. And I believe that it has a supernatural base to it that goes far deeper than most people think. Um, Charles said that it was good against evil. There is a sense in which that is true. And um, it has nothing to do with the theological viewpoints of our Jewish friends or Goyim friends. Uh, It just, there is evil, and it's real in the world. And there is God's side, a covenant side, the people of God, and that is real too. And they will stand against each other. Kathy, who's going to be on quick?
1: Tell us about your friend Dan Bush.
0: Oh, we're going to talk about undefended. We don't have to defend it. God can do that quite well. Hope you join us. Same time, same place. Between now and then, don't do anything we wouldn't. And that gives you a wide, wide. Did your screen go blank, too?
1: it's to start. That one, that one's out.
0: uh got he's the one back oh. off